Parents, welcome to another episode of The Journey, a podcast intended to educate, equip, and entertain you as we talk about important issues facing our families. PCA is a Christ-centered, biblically-based, and family-focused community of committed believers doing life together. We hope the information you hear on this podcast informs and inspires you to be a better parent. Welcome to The Journey. All right, parents, welcome back to The Journey. This is the second part of our conversation with uh, Alicia Wood. So we're talking about um, trans ideology, the concept of, uh, and, and really, you know, as, as we were talking before, and I really want our parents to, to understand this particular concept. Um, one, of the, one of the things, and I, I want you to answer this, um, but in the program with, uh, with Matt Walsh, What is a Woman, which I, I think parents, right, go to Twitter, find it, watch it. Um, but several different people ask Matt this particular question, and that is, why do you care, right? So um, if people are transitioning or not transitioning or, you know, trans ideology, if, if, a, if a man wants to be a woman or a woman wants to be a man or, you know, I can see how some parents might care if your daughter is competing in a sport and there's a guy, you know, like Leah Thomas who's swimming and, and beating her, right? I can see how there might be some of that, but just... Right, you and I are not in those particular situations, and so in in that sense, kind of like a Matt Walsh, like why do you even care, right? If somebody wants to go by different pronouns, why wouldn't you just call them by the pronouns, right? I mean, Alicia, come on. Yeah, sure, I know, right? <laughs> how, so know. how would you how would you answer that question? Like, why do you even care? Yeah, so two things. I would think it's kind of I think of something similar where it's like, so what? So somebody's starving in another country. Why do you care? It doesn't affect you. Oh. Um, and the reality is, is don't isn't it a, I think a good especially Christian um, value to empathize mm. with somebody some something something bad is going on with somebody else True. and to actually care about that and to say yeah yep. maybe this you know ten year old that's starving doesn't affect my life per se but it still hurts and it still grieves me and there's still something wrong here and I still I'm still I'm still experiencing pain for it so number one I think it's perfectly good and healthy and Christian that we should be grieving with those who grieve, like mourn with those who mourn and rejoice yep. those who rejoice, right? This whole idea of, you know, um, identifying that that is something painful and I want to grieve with them. But I think the second thing too, is I think there's a bit of a delusion. This is a much longer thing, but in, in our Western mindset, we have a very individualistic way of thinking of things. True. It's my life my, who I want to marry is, is up to me. What's what I want to study in school is up to me where I want to live. I make all my decisions. It's my life. I do what I want. You go to Eastern cultures and it doesn't function like that at all. No, you're going to marry what's good for us as a family. You're going to go and get a profession of what is good for us as a family, which brings honor to our family. In other words, in the Eastern culture, so you're thinking Middle East, you're thinking India, you're thinking Asia. There is this sense in which what you do affects us all. You don't yeah. live individually. It affects us all. And the Western mindset, we've deluded ourselves a little bit to think that what we do doesn't impact anybody around us, which is nonsense. Everything we do every day, not everything, most things we do every day affect people around us. What you, when you're driving down the street, when you decide to turn right, when you decide to turn left, that impacts all the cars behind you. When you stop at a light or you go through it, that impacts the cars around you. They're now going to be faced with a different set of cars going forward than had you not gone through the light or something like that. 
every we, we are constantly impacting people around us and so yep. what is happening in this in in transitioning these young girls is going to impact all of us in the same way that abortion we have aborted so many children that we've impacted our entire society because we won't have these future teachers and therapists and scientists and whoever pastors because we've aborted and that impacts us all i will now have sure. a different that of doctors, because some of those kids that we aborted and grew up to be doctors, right? Same thing with this. We are, when we are sterilizing these children, that impacts us all. When they are growing up broken and hurt and devastated and have these mutilated bodies, that affects us all. Yeah, I, I love I love how you framed it in the in the concept of individual versus community. Um, we were down in Austin, uh, has a, a very large homeless community, and so we went to a ministry um, that's building homes for people who are homeless. And I just thought, oh, that's such a neat ministry. And the thing that they explained was, um, this ministry is not about building homes. Uh, and they said this: homeless people don't need homes. And I was like, okay, that <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me. Keep going. And they said homeless people need community. Hmm. And I was like, oh. And they're like, we were built, we were built and designed for community. Yes. And so what they're doing is they're actually building homes in community yes. so that people come in and they give them jobs and they give them opportunities and they give them the responsibility and the right. And so it's like, here's the deal. Their, their, their mindset wasn't, here's an individual who doesn't have something. How do I give them the something that they need? It was, here's an individual created for community. How do I develop a community and give them responsibility, help them be a part of something larger than just their individual decisions. And I was like, aha, that, that like, that's the reality, right? That's how God's designed us. And so you're right. Western mentality is a very individualistic concept, but it still has to be within community, yeah. right? And so, you know, my decisions do affect other people mm -hmm. uh, for, for good or for bad. And, and I want that to be true, right? I want to look at the needs of other people and say, hey, what can I do to help you? Um, because that's the way that God has designed us. And so I think you're right. That whole concept of empathy, um, you know, needs to be a, a reminder for us that we do have a responsibility for other people. Um, you, you may not feel like it. You, you know, they may live on the other part of the country. But the concept is, is um, if you don't do that, right, you won't have an opportunity to speak truth later on about other things, right? It goes back to the um, I can't remember if it was, you know, uh, Niemöller or whatever for the German concept, you know, when, when they came for the, you know, gypsies and whatever, mm -hmm. I wasn't one of them. So I didn't say anything when they That's came right. for the homosexuals. Well, I wasn't one of them. They, I didn't say anything when they came for the Catholics. I wasn't one of them. I didn't say anything when they came for me. There was nobody left to say anything. So I think that's the concept that you're saying is even if it doesn't necessarily affect you, mm -hmm. the conversation we're having is about truth, Yeah. right? What, what is true? Do we have the right to defend the truth? Do we have the right to speak about these things? Yeah. Um, and in the, you know, Matt Walsh in there, when he mentioned the word truth, you could tell it was weird because people had a, a very um, visible, yeah. physical adverse reaction to him using the word truth mm -hmm. right like your truth my truth it's like no just truth and i think our parents need to understand when we talk about this particular conversation the reality that we're talking about is do we have a right to defend the truth and speak about what is true and what is right and what is good and what is honorable and the way that god has designed the world and if we lose that then we can't talk about it for anything and so this is a very important, a very, you know, kind of seminal issue that we need to make sure that we're addressing. And I think, you know, people like you who are apologists, who are out there helping, you know, our parents to understand these issues, we really need to be paying attention to this, even if it's not something that's affecting our sons and daughters, 
the reality is it's affecting all of us. It is. So take us take us back to those issues that you wanted to talk about. I mean, you've got like nine or ten things. <laughs> we probably only addressed one. But what are the what are the other things that you think our parents need to understand? Yeah. So yeah, to try and help the parents out here. Um, and I recognize this is very, very difficult um for parents. So um some of these are not going to be friendly and and in terms of you know, they're not going to make you be the parent of the year, win the parent of the year award with your child. Yep. Um, but here's the reality. So if you have, if you feel like you have a child that is experiencing these things or going through some of these things, um, let me just give you a list of things to consider. Number one, you have to be the parent and you can't let your kids rule you. And I know that might sound really harsh, um, but you, we, we don't let kids vote. We don't let kids you know, um, drive cars until they're, you know, 16 or so we don't right. let them do. We, there's a range of things that we don't even let them do drink alcohol and all these things yet. We're letting them make massive decisions about their lives. So, um, you, you know, putting your foot down is going to, and just, but it doesn't mean to mean a mean way. It's mean, how can you drag this process out? How can you help them? Okay. Well, let's think about this for a few months or let's see, is there a way that we can, um, let's try and see if we can figure out why you're feeling this way, or, you know, how is it in your conversation with your child, instead of saying, okay, well, let me just take you into a therapist and get you on hormones. How can you really help them dig in and, and sort out what they're dealing with, but don't let them just tell you what to do. Secondly, um, your biggest help, one of your biggest help is going to be to do a, a get rid of social media if possible, or cell phones if possible. I know this is extremely hard to do. But the reality is the social media has become propaganda when it comes to this particular issue. And True. if you can get your kids off of social media or you can get them away from their smartphones, we already know the links between social media and depression, like we talked about in the last episode. Those studies are out. And now we now we know that the, the effects of social media on the transgender uh, movement is also being talked about by people who have left the transgender movement. So these are one thing, right. not Christian people. These are people who are what's called detransitioners who have left the transgender movement. And they talk about how social media impacted them. That's right. So getting them off social media um, and phones is a, is um, also going to be really, really helpful. At least if you, at least minimizing it to a, a small percentage of their day, their usage of phone, social media. Um, I'd also suggest that parents, get a support group. This stuff is not easy to do on your own. And you're going to feel very alone yeah. and you're going to feel like I'm trying to talk to people around me, but I don't know who I can talk to because I'm kind of embarrassed and other people around me don't share this or they don't know how to help me. Mm -hmm. So there are support groups out there. I can't vouch for this one because I haven't done a lot of research in it, but I know of one called fourth wave now. So number four and then TH fourth wave, um, like the ocean and then now, and that's an online support group for people that are parents that are questioning some of the transitioning stuff that's happening. Once again, not a Christian group. So, uh, but it's just a, a group that may help give parents some kind of advice and some just to even be able to share with certain people what's going on and maybe get advice um, from them. So that could be really helpful to get support for you. And then fourthly, get support for your child. Yeah. Being a therapist is going to be helpful. And here's the thing. Don't, you don't go to a therapist because you say, oh, my daughter's trans. You need to go to a therapist and say, my daughter is, might be dealing with depression. My daughter might be dealing with anxiety. You need to go to somebody who is going to actually deal with the mental health aspect of these things and yep. not just immediately try and transition your child. Um, 
And so someone who's going to be willing to sit down and help them process through, why are you feeling this way? What is going on with you? Um, just, it, just to give you uh, some kind of um, idea of the gravity of the situation, before th- 2012, there were none, zero, no studies at all on female to male transgenderism. So there was zero studies on girls becoming boys because it did not happen. Mm. So, so in just 11 years, we have this massive increase. This is where we, we really need to get people to deal with the mental health aspect and not just trying to transition these young girls um, into something that they will, they will later on regret. Yep. Um, on that note, there's a Jordan Peterson and Chloe Cole. Chloe Cole is a former D-transitioner. Is is she transitioned around 13 or so, I think got a double mastectomy at 15 mm. and detransition and, and she's 18 now Yep. and she speaks uh, a lot about how this is, she, I think she's even suing like many people bring on the lawsuits. Sue, Amen. Sue, sue. If you have a child yep. that's already gone through this, <laughs> wasn't even on my list of things to talk about, but if you have a child that you've already put through this, sue, I mean, this is how we're going to change. You've got to hit people in the, with when it comes to money. Um, but she's suing and, Chloe Cole sat down and did an interview with Jordan Peterson and it's on YouTube and it is well worth the watch. I would encourage every person listening to watch. It's about two hours long. It's pretty long. But what you see is you see Jordan Peterson, who is a uh, psychologist, basically giving Chloe Cole a therapy session. And even though she's, she's detransitioned, had she had this kind of therapy session eight years ago or so, it would have changed everything for her. Yes. Yep. He, he asked her a question about her childhood and her teenage years. And he's explaining to her why she felt this way, why she was, why her, why she was thinking this way. She turns out she is autistic. Remember one of the four things I talked about, she is autistic. So she, there was always that sense of awkwardness with her. And he explains these kind of things. It is so helpful because you can see what a good, healthy therapist would do to help somebody who's struggling through some of these things in life, through puberty and just all of the challenging things that happen. Yeah, Jordan Peterson is in the Matt Walsh, right? What is a woman? He's, right. trim, he's tremendously well-spoken on this particular issue. Um, he may be a little harsh. Some people, oh, he's like, it's like, here's the deal, but it's true. He speaks truth on this issue. Um, and he's very, I mean, he's very passionate about this. Uh, and so anything that, yeah, that Jordan Peterson puts out on the whole transgender ideology um, is is really, really very helpful. And from that particular perspective, like let's dig into what these issues are. But I think, you know, the reality of it from a parenting perspective is we we know, right? If you're a parent of a young child, I'm just going to tell you, as they get into 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, um, they're going to wrestle with stuff. They're going to go through difficult issues. They're going to, right? Here's the deal. You and I did. Um, every kid does, right? You're going to have a time period in your life where there's some confusion on things. Um, you know, I, I don't fit in here. or I don't like this or whatever. Um, we know that because of the fall, we're broken creatures. So there's something in our thinking and our processing, right? That isn't Um, working perfectly. Um, We look at our life, we look at our bodies, we look at the situations around us, and not everything measures up, right? This is not the way it's supposed to be. I'm just telling you, we don't live in the garden. (laughs) Don't live in the garden. So this should should not be something that as from a parenting perspective kind of catches us off guard. It's like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with my child? Well, here's the the deal. Something is, right? Something's wrong with your child. So, okay, 
right, great. What, what is it? And then you lean into that and you get help and you talk through it and you navigate and you wrestle with yes. it. And as you said, you extend it so that the natural processes begin to come, come in. And the beautiful thing, as we mentioned before, puberty, right? So if, if gender and sexuality is one of those things that your kid is, is wrestling with and struggling with, here's the thing. Puberty is going to help because it's going to bring a flood of different hormones. It's going to help that thought process. And some of those, some of those brokenness and some of those cracks are going to be filled in, right, through the design that God's given the body to, to go through. So you don't want to interrupt that process, right? You want to go through that. Now, if you want to deal with gender confusion and gender dysphoria in your 20s, <laughs> then it's a whole different conversation whole different we can conversation. talk about. But if you're talking about a, an eight-year-old kid, yes. right, and you're like, what in the world are we doing? There's a process that's going to happen. It's just going to take a little bit of time to get there. Yes. That's what we really need to remind parents of, that, that's, yes. that, that you have to, you know, really allow. And that's why, you know, as I said before, Texas, right, you know, Senate Bill 14, we've passed a bill to say, hey, you can't have these child mutilization, you know, muta, muta, um, uh, mutations right, of kids, right, where you're mutilizing their body, right, you can't force a minor to have a surgery, right, without giving them some sort of counseling. And I think that's the concept that we have to begin to protect our kids to make sure that there's a process that they go through that includes people who kind of push back on this before, as you said, we're giving double mastectomies to 15-year-old girls. Exactly. Exactly. Crazy, 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 crazy. It is. And what, so, what else from a parenting part do we yeah, need to know? So, I mean, and some of the stuff that you said, I mean, we want to, another thing I would suggest is affirm normal as normal and not, and, and don't affirm it as illness. So this is what I'm saying. I grew up as a complete tomboy. My poor uh-huh. mother did not know what to do with me. She put me in modeling school and beauty pageants and all these things. I makeup, I hated all of it. And I, w- <laughs> I wanted to, climb trees. I, when I fell off my bike and scraped my knee, I thought it was the coolest thing. I'm going to get a scar and this is going to be love so it. neat, you know? <laughs> and, and then I grew up and, and say, you know, and I was on 13 or 14 that I want to play ice hockey. And I think she just gave up, you know, but so what, what, what you can do is you can say, oh my goodness, something's wrong with my child. She's ill. She's not acting like a quote unquote normal girl, but she didn't do that. She just let me be a tomboy. Yeah. And she tried and she'd put me in dresses and she'd do all these things. And, and and it didn't really work, but it didn't change it. But she allowed me the space to be a tomboy. And you know what happened? It took me till I was in my thirties, but I started wearing dresses. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while, but yeah. I got, I got to the point where I was like, Oh, actually, I really like this girly kind of thing. And, yeah. and I, and I started appreciating it different. So affirm normal is normal. You don't have to love Barbie dolls to be a little, to be a girl nope. and you don't have to like fighting and climbing trees to be a boy. You're going to have quote unquote feminine men and we are going to have quote unquote masculine women. And that is okay. That doesn't mean that you are less of a male or female because Genesis one just lets us know that when it says the image of God, as you, as you mentioned, it says God created them in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. And that created in the Hebrew is talking about forming and shaping. In other words, it is a physical description. Yep. So your male and femaleness is a physical thing. So just because you like dolls or you like 
um, climbing trees, you like playing sports. None of that has anything to do with your physical description. These are stereotypes that we do in our culture and they change with time. You could go back a couple hundred years and men were the one wearing heels and wigs. And then you go to the Middle East today in Saudi Arabia and you've got the men are wearing long robe type things that you might consider kind of dress like. Um, you go to other countries and, and men are wearing hot pink shirts and men are holding hands. It doesn't mean that they're gay. It just means that this is just a cultural thing that's completely okay and normal. Yeah. So we, we have to not confuse the cultural expectations of what male and femaleness is because the, the Bible doesn't do that, which is interesting. It talks about our male and femaleness as physical things. It doesn't talk about them as characteristics. And so that is key. We need to not put characteristics on something that is a physical thing. Love it. So it's okay if, if, if she's a little bit more of a tomboy and it's okay if he's a, a, a gentler, sweeter kind of guy, it's not a problem. Um, a couple of the things I would say is switch. You may have to switch schools because this is what's considered a social contagion. Changing the environment is key. That could be switching schools. That could be moving towns. That could be changing friend groups. I know this sounds completely drastic and I know this sounds unfair. And I know this is not even plausible for some people. I get that. I'm just putting these things out on the table because I want you to understand that when you're at the point of desperation, nothing else seems to be working. They have found that when kids, you know, go to grandma's for the summer, all of a sudden they're not trans anymore yep. when they come back in the fall, Amen. you know, just the change of environment can impact things. I had a young girl actually, who just told me about this, that she was starting to experience trans um, feelings and those kind of things. And her mother took her from public school into uh, online homeschool and the feelings left her. Yeah. There is something about changing the environment. I know how incredibly difficult that is. I know, I've, I think I've read stories of moms moving and the dad stays back and works and the, just to get their daughter out of the environment for a couple months. I mean, if it gets to that point, just want you to know that that is an option and that is something that has worked. Sending them off to a, a uh, uh, yeah, to grandma's for the summer, doing things like that to get them out of their environment and don't support a lot of this. The schools have lost their minds. I mean, they're, they're basically, you know, changing transgendering or yeah, transitioning kids in schools, giving them, allowing the kids to use boy names, allowing the, the, if they're a girl, allowing them With, to, without telling the parents, telling the parents exactly. without telling the parents, which, which is one of the things this, this case, I mentioned it up earlier, right? Little John versus, you know, the school board of, of Leon County. One of the things that they brought in this, this, um, you know, amicus brief was um, a school can't give, this is in Florida, by the way, which is why it makes sense. A school can't give um, sunscreen to a student without their parents' permission. Right. Mm. They can't say, hey, apply sunscreen because you're going outside to play at recess. Right. They can't do that without a parent's permission, but they can allow the child to come in, treat a girl like a boy, call him by boys, pronouns and, and names, allow him to dress. Right. You know, they run him over to Target and they get all their transitioning clothes, <laughs> um, but they can allow him to dress as well. and they never tell the parents at all until the parent finds out and then starts asking questions. And then they run into the reality that here's the deal. What you don't understand is. The public school has the force of the state behind it. And now you run into not just, you know, hey, my school counselor said this. It's like, no, no, that's a representative of the state in which you live. And if the state is going to oppose you, right, and take away your parental rights, this is going to be a really, really big fight. And so mm -hmm. parents need to grasp this reality is if you put your kid in a public school, just understand that if they're doing something that you don't agree with, 
you don't agree with the state and they have the power, the resources, right, to be able to fight you in a much more dramatic way. So here's the deal. You may not be a homeschool or private school advocate, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, homeschooling, private schooling, right, at least if they, if you disagree with, right, homeschooling, it's yours, right, but if you disagree with the private school, you know, you're just paying money to them, right? You pack up and you leave and you go somewhere else. If you disagree with a public school, you've now got the state that you're fighting. And that's a very, very yeah. big issue that our parents need to wrestle with and understand. Yeah, that's a great point, Dan. And this, that's why this is really hard, you know, because parents are finding out, oh, wait, my daughter has been dressing like a boy in school and been called a boy name, you know, because yep. girls will wear one thing at home, bring clothes, pack their clothes in a suit in their backpack, go to school and change. Yep. And, and, and they're using boy bathrooms at school. And I, I didn't know about this. Yep. And so now it makes it even harder for the child to come back as to a girl because now their whole social impact or the, the social impact is going to be great because they've been telling everybody they're a boy. They've been acting like a boy. And now for them to switch back to a girl is going to be very difficult. And that makes it even harder. That's right. So what the schools are doing is is just unbelievable to me. It's it's just incomprehensible that people would do this to not even let the parents know. Yet if That's I got right. a fight in school, there on the phone with your parent. If I when I was in it, when I was a kid in fourth grade, if you swore they would call your parent, and now you can be a whole nother like I can be a boy in boy bathrooms, and you're not going to call mom. Yep. You're not going to call dad. Like, That's where, crazy. where have we come? Yeah. And it, it does blow my mind. And so I remember reading a story of a, of a girl who there was a presentation on transgenderism in school. Boom. She decided she was trans. One, a presentation in school. So the school, the school is out of control and the schools are, have a, have a massive impact, which is why as cruel as it sounds, if you need to change schools, Get your child out yep. of that school. I, I, I love how you, you, you know, that's super, super important. Um, let, let's go through a couple of just resources, right? Last things for our parents. You mentioned, right. um, I think you said Abigail Schreier, the irreversible damage, right? We've yes. already mentioned Matt Walsh is what is a woman. Yes. Um, on the pronoun issue, right? We, as Christians, um, should we use pronouns, um, you know, just to, to um, be nice and compliant, right? So if a you know, person says, well, I go by, you know, he, she, they, them, whatever. Um, I don't know if you read Rosaria Butterfield. Um, she recently came out with an article, like kind of a blog post on that. Um, and, um, you know, she's the most unlikely convert and her latest book is The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Um, but her, her big statement, I think parents need to understand this, is at the beginning, she thought it was um, as a Christian, um, I want people to feel comfortable. And so I'll use whatever pronouns that they feel comfortable with. And she has recently said, no, here's the deal. My job is to speak truth. And God created people male and female. So it doesn't matter, right, Alicia, right, Alicia, like what pronouns you think you want to go by. My job as a Christian is to honor the creator who has made you a woman and to call you, right, Alicia, and to use pronouns of she and her with you. Now, it may not be um, accepted and well-received, but Rosaria Butterfield's concept is, here's the deal, when we talk about culture, our job is to speak truth, right? Mm -hmm. not, not to always fit into what culture says we need to do. So I think there needs to be, right, as, as Christian parents, we need to be looking at these different resources that are out there. Are there any other kind of resources that you might suggest for our parents to wrestle with? Um. 
I, I really like, I honestly, I think Jordan Peterson is very, very helpful on this from a psychological perspective. So he's got a yep. lot of, a yep. lot of things. He does an interview with Miriam Grossman, who was the psychiat- psychiatrist in the, what is a woman, Matt Walsh special. And I think it's probably still up on Twitter. If you go to daily wire on Twitter, you can probably still watch that. Um, so I'd recommend, um, anything by Jordan Peterson. Um, Outside of those, I mean, I think I really like this, looking at some of the detransitioners. I think they're really helpful. So Chloe Cole is one. And mm-hmm. you'll find um, that there's other detransitioners who are speaking out. Keep in mind, overwhelmingly, the detransitioners are not Christian. So right. their, their language isn't going to be good. Um, and they're going to be really descriptive. And honest, honestly, a lot of times they're pro-trans or they're, pro, they're pro-LGB, so lesbian, bi, or gay. They're not actually anti and any LGBTQ at all. They just are saying that we we should not be transitioning children. So keep that in mind. I mean, but I think it's really helpful because a lot of times they'll share their stories, yeah. and you'll see where the surgeries have gone horribly wrong. Yep. You'll see the pain. Um, Chloe Cole has shared that with her double mastectomy, she is still leaking fluid from her mm. chest. The doctors don't have an explanation. They don't really want to help her. So she just has to wear like a large bandage across her chest every day. So she doesn't leak through her clothes. Oh my goodness. And, and, and how do you, at 18, this is her life now. This yep. is, this is the kind of stuff that the detransitioners will tell you. They will be open and honest about what ha- what happens. So I would recommend um, reading some of the stuff from the detransitioners. Yeah. I'd say my last resource, I'll throw this out. Um, if you want to understand how we got here. Um, how we got to this particular issue. Um, Dr. Carl Truman has a book called The Rise and Triumph uh, of the Modern Self, right? Where um, instead of um, society kind of giving you guidelines and dictates that we fit into, now we tell society, this is how you have to treat me. So if I want to say, hey, uh, you know, Alicia, I'm the queen of England, right? It used to be kind of you going, hey, that's really nice. That's really sweet. But, you know, no. Now, right, everybody has to bend to, you know, my whims. Um, and so um, that's the 400 page book. He came out with a smaller one called Strange New World. That's the 200 page book. I like the bigger one better okay. um, because it, it it goes through, you know, from a historical perspective, right? From, you know, literature and poetry. I mean, everything so that you can really understand the movement to how we got here. here. Um, and it's interesting, he, that he starts the book with this. He says, if I went to my grandparents and said, hey, um, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body, they would have thought it was the start of a joke. He goes, mm-hmm. It's not a joke. It's not funny, but you need to know how we got here from like something our grandparents never could have imagined to yeah. something our kids are trying to figure out and navigate. Right. And oh, they're absolutely. just you know, super confused. So anyway, I think, you know, and I'll put all those resources in the show notes, but parents, we need to understand this. Um, Alicia, I appreciate you right, being um, a person who's done you know, a lot of intensive research and study so that you can communicate these truths um, to people who are listen, um, and and I just pray for you to be super busy <laughs> over the next, you know, couple of years, going out and presenting these truths for people yeah. to hear and understand. Because you do it in in not only a way that's you know intellectual, um, but you do it in a winsome and a persuasive way, so that people can say, "Hey, that's true. It's right. It's good." Now you've given me the information so that I can turn around and I can you know speak to other people in an informed manner. Because I think a lot of, from a Christian perspective, we know these things are not right, 
but we, we want to know why, and we want to know how to communicate this to people mm-hmm. um, so that we can, you know, engage in a conversation. So as people push back, we can say, oh, okay, well, wait, no, let me, let me give you some more information. Let me help you with that. Let me, you know, I, we know that it's not right, but you giving us the information and, and presenting it in such a way that our parents can really absorb it and then communicate it in a way that's, you know, simple and profound, I think is a really, really helpful thing. So thanks for your time. Thank, thank you. And I, I recognize how fully hard this is on so many parents. I mean, I just to raise a child right now has got to be so incredibly difficult. A teenager right now is so incredibly difficult with all of the different media and things that are out there. But I would let you just encourage you parents, the tides are turning on this transgender thing and they're, and they're turning relatively quickly. Um, I'm hoping that in four or five years from now, I'm not even really speaking on this topic at all because the culture has really changed so quickly in just a few years, realizing the harmful effects of it. Just a few days ago, um, the NHS in England and the national health um, in system in England just came out with a massive, massive new way of dealing with, with, with gender dysphoria in children. Puberty blockers are not, are not the way that people need, want to go anymore. Certain, I think it's Sweden and Denmark, I think, have stopped using puberty blockers now in right. children. And so, it, so people are making the changes and it's happening. The lawsuits are happening. Um, people from the, there's a whole, there's websites and, 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 and people from the LGB community that are against what's happening. So even within the LGBTQIA plus community, there is variation here. And so I, I know it's really a struggle for parents and, and there can be really disheartening, but just know if the tides are turning, hold your ground, save your children. You won't regret it. at least if they go behind your back and do things, at least, you know, you fought and you yeah. will know if that's like that you fought for them, even if they didn't listen. And that will matter when they, when they get older and they realize I've made a mistake, but mom tried to help and dad tried to fight. And that will matter. Amen. Amen. Well, Alicia, we appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, investing into our parents. I know, um, you know, you were here for BWI a few years ago. Yeah. We'll have to get you back. Yeah. Because uh, it's, oh, it's, listen, listening to you is fantastic, but having you on campus and allowing you to interact with our, our community and our kids is always such a blessing. So hopefully we'll get a chance to do that soon. Sounds good. I'd love to do that. Awesome. All right. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Thanks. You as well. Thank you for investing the time to listen to this episode of The Journey. Please take a minute to share with friends and family who will also benefit from this valuable resource. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. It is truly our blessing and honor to walk with you on The Journey.